the simplicity of the book, of the concept, of the methodologies of the eight key drivers is just so simple. And I mean, I'll give you a, a perfect example of one of them. It's one of my favorites. It's called Hub and Spoke. And so it's the concept that the business owner is the center of everything. So imagine if you know every single question or every single decision has to go through that business owner. Well, what happens to all of the other people inside of that business? What happens when the owner goes on vacation? What happens if the owner doesn't make it into work that day or they make it in late? Um, you know, the whole operation can't come to a grinding halt. Welcome to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. My name is Chris Thompson, your host of the show and the head coach of the Student Works Management Program. This is a show dedicated to young and ambitious entrepreneurs and ultimately the leaders of tomorrow. Each week, we will bring you an inspiring interview or message to help you create the future you know you deserve. Let's get started. Okay, leaders. Welcome to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. I've got a really, really amazing, you know, well, young for me, uh, leader, Sam Mendelson. Um, he, he worked with us, you know, a little bit less than 20 years ago. And so he's had a, just an amazing career going up through um, really the software industry. He became a CA, CPA, um, you know, sort of got that technical uh, background and really, really worked hard as a consultant in the consulting software industry, uh, early, early, young, young vice president of some major, major companies. And now he's the chief operating officer of a company uh, by the name of the Value Builder System, uh, John Morlow, a very, very famous uh, entrepreneur, author, and I know him from a number of organizations I belong to. Um, he is his chief operating officer and helps businesses get the most value uh, from their business when there's kind of time to sell and also just understand actually how they really deliver value. So Sam just provides so much value in this interview. I know you're going to really enjoy it and, uh, and speaks to all the value that he got from the student works management program back in the day. So if you know of young, you know, powerful leaders who are looking to do the type of things that Sam has done, please reach out to me. Um, you can reach me at chris at leaderspodcast.ca. You can go to studentworks.com slash apply and send somebody there. And you can share our podcast, the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. Thanks so much. Have a super fantastic day. And uh, I know you're going to enjoy this podcast. Um, so, Sam, welcome to the to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. Chris, thanks so much for having me. I'm, I'm so excited about this, and, and I really love what you're doing with this podcast, and it's just great to listen ah, to. Well, thank, thank you. Thank you. So, so, Sam, tell me what you were like before our program. So, I'd always been very sales inclined, um, looking at it as like, okay, great. You know, what can I say? What can I do in order to get that dollar from that customer? Obviously, I want them to be. Ha I wanted them to be happy. I still yeah. do, um, but but never really thinking about what happens after we do the exchange of right. money. Never thinking about things from a holistic perspective to to take into account all of the other things that have to happen for that customer to continue to be happy, or even for the company to continue to right. operate. So, what's 
what was your biggest frustration as as a teenager, if you can recall, like before you got started in running a business? So that's a great question. So I think it was everything was a very prescribed thing. So you know you're you're told to do something, and it doesn't necessarily mean that they're tying the end result to anything. Study for the math exam. Why do I need to know about you know cosine and sine yeah. and geometry? Study for the bio exam. None of that stuff really led me to what my true passion was. None of that really helped me get to where I wanted to be. Um, and so I found it very hard without seeing the end result of what my, of what my, my efforts were to yeah. really understand what was going to happen. And so I found it very difficult to buy into the prescribed methodology of school. I'm not surprised by that at all. Um, and, and so what, what, what were some of your roles before you got started with StudentWorks? What were some of the jobs that you had, Sam? Great question. So um, I was a lifeguard um, and I did that for a couple summers. I also did um, while I was in high school. um, I also was a swimming instructor and and I really loved it. Um, It was a lot of fun to teach people, to coach people, you know, little kids and teach them how to swim and watch them float. Um, And I also was a a salesperson. I was a salesperson um, retail. Okay. Um, And, and I, you know, I mean, I was really good at it. I could really, really get people excited about things like sporting goods. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's something that's, that stayed the same. You know, you are someone who can sell stuff, right. You know, and and engage with people that is, that is, that is you. So, so what do you still rely on from the program, Sam? That's a great question. So the number one thing that I learned through the program that I rely on is the ability to look at everything holistically. Everything that we do in, in the company where I'm at or any position that I've had beforehand, the one question that I always ask myself is, what is going to be the implication or the impact down the line to the customer, to the company, to the employees based on what we're doing as part of this process? And so in other words, you know, we could go sell anything, but at some point we need to go and deliver on it. Right. And, and so one of the biggest things that I learned from my summer was the fact that I couldn't just go around selling stuff. I also had to go around and produce stuff and I couldn't yeah. just produce stuff. I had to go around and sell at the same time. Right. And, and, and really thinking through what the implications were. If I took on a job, for example, that was like thousands of kilometers away, not that I did, but if no. I ever did, um, then what would be the implication? Well, how are my guys going to get there? Uh, where am I going to source my paint? What happens if we forget a ladder? And so on and so on and so on. So it starts to make it started to make me really think about how everything is interconnected and how I had to learn differently, even differently than in school, because it's now a practical. There's a practical problem. I need to come up with practical solutions. Right. So I know um, you spent a, a year as an entrepreneur, and then you know. You know, tell me about your career progress and, and the types of choices that have led you where you are right now. Oh, wow. Um, so after I left, you know, it was very interesting. After I left university, I, I went to uh, Carleton. I did a Bachelor of International Business. Um, and I left school and I'm like, okay, like now what? You know, a lot of the guys that came out of that program with me, a lot of them went on to work for the government um, in, in policy places and economics places, uh, you know, places like that. And that wasn't me. So what I did after I left university is that I actually ended up taking a job as a uh, sales guy for a software company. Um, And it was a great job, great little company. And one of the things that always kind of came up was I was like, well, you know, we should really look at maybe changing our, you know, classic sales guy. 
Yeah. We should look at, you know, lowering our price, changing our product, um, you know, doing different things in order to sell the product out, you know, outmatch our competition and so on and so on. And it came down to, again, this concept of, of, of viewing things holistically, understanding the numbers, being able to justify and come up with practical solutions. And so eventually I, I went back to, uh, I went back to school. I, I'm, I'm a CPA CMA. So I went through the CMA program, um, and became an accountant. Right. Um, and, and from there, I actually went on, joined another software company uh, in the corporate performance management space where I was a consultant. And all I did for a bunch of years was just fly around from customer to customer to customer, understanding their business, learning about their industry, quickly coming up with really fat, cool solutions that helped them solve their business problems. And that was beyond exciting. It was, it was awesome. And I think a lot of the things that I learned at Student Works the management program really helped me. It helped me understand how to work with different people. It helped me how to concept, like how to sell an idea, a solution to a customer in order to get them on board with what I was thinking. It helped me conceptualize all of the different things that I'd have to do in order to get to that endpoint design to the end of the project because it was all yeah, project work. For sure. So that you know the customer would be happy and the company would be happy and I would be happy. Right. Um, and 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 so there was a lot of learnings from that. It was probably one of my most favorite jobs of all time, um, just because of, of of how dynamic it was. And what was the what was the travel like? Like how how much of a commitment was that? Oh man, it was crazy. So you know, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit of a side story. So at the time, my now wife um, was in in London, Ontario, and so I would actually fly out on Sundays from Toronto Pearson. I drive to the airport from London, Ontario, fly out, yeah. go to, I don't even remember where, um, and I wouldn't know where. Uh, get back <laughs> and it all feels like the same. Airport, airport hotel, uh, client's, client's office. Yes. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Like airport, car, hotel, client office. Yeah. Hotel, yeah. And then after all that, um, I would fly back on a Friday night, land in Toronto at 10, 11 o'clock at night, and then drive back to London, Ontario. Yeah. And then yeah. do it again on Sunday. Yeah. So it was it was 40 weeks a year, 50, you know, 40 weeks a year minimum just doing that. And what one sec. And because and, one of the things I love for our leaders to get is, is, again, to have the type of success that you've had. A big part of it is, is the type of commitment that you've made to your career. Right. Like that is just an enormous amount of hard work. Like, you know, as a top performer in our business, you, you were you were a really hard worker. You've always been that right. You put in a lot of hard work. And it's why you're a CEO of the business that you are at such a young age, you know, it, yeah. and, and I always like, I like drawing the lines for people, you know, like, like there's, there's something going on here. It's, I think the word is grit, you know, yes. like it's, it it's like literally like I, you know, I even trace it back to, to the student works management program and it's literally like, okay, you know, you're going to go through the program. You don't know what the end is going to look like. You, yeah. you gotta, you gotta have, you know, you gotta trust you know, Chris, like you, obviously, and, yeah. you know, whoever your district managers are and the people that are working with you, but you also have to put in what you got to put in and you got to do what you say you're going to do. And that is grit. That is commitment. And that is hard work, but that's what separates people. Yes. Yes. Right. Like some guys are going to do it and some guys are not. And the ones that are not are going to make, and I see this all the time. They make a million excuses as to why it didn't work. And the guys yeah. that do it look up and they're like, wow, what did we just do? This was a ride. Whoever thought we were going to get here. Yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, you asked me what I took away from the program. That's one of the biggest things. Like it was literally like a summer of 
you know, craziness in a lot of ways. And, you know, even that job where I was traveling all over the place, it was a, a job of craziness. And it's yes. like, get on planes, get on planes. <laughs> oh my, that customer's calling me, that one's calling me. What did I do there? What's going to happen? Yeah. But at the end of the day, I look back on my time, regardless of, of whether it was, you know, at, at a software company or whether it was, um, you know, as an entrepreneur of a, 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 of a student works franchise and it's cool. It is very cool what I think I've accomplished, obviously, as a result of all the mentoring and all the coaching along the way. Mm -hmm. But it's also my grit and my determination that has managed to. And so so a follow up question as we're sort of tracking your career. I know one thing you said is you went back and you did your CMA, your CPA. Mm -hmm. Candidly, you know, I got to tell you, when when you did that, I, I must say it was like, wow, that like. Um, not saying you're not smart enough, but you are a driver. You're about getting results. You're, you're again, yeah. people, you know, but I could see that having both of those making a real difference in your career and what you can deliver. So, I mean, I think, you know, here, here's the real reason why, and, and I say this to anybody who asks, here's the real reason why I went back and I did it is because I don't think that anybody can ever t- turn to me anymore and say, you know, Sam, you really, really don't understand the numbers in the business. Okay. Right. Um, you know, it was, it was that, that, that piece of credibility, but, but, you know, anybody who meets me and, and hears, oh, you're an accountant. I've never met an accountant <laughs> who, you know, talks like you, um, exactly. you know, like there's, there's both sides to it. So I, I think that it's something that helped me, uh, solidify in a practical manner why I needed to do that. So in other words, I could see the end result. I could see I'm learning about how people account for businesses, how they look at things holistically, where buckets of money go and how they flow through an organization and so on and so on. So again, you know, you kind of go back to your first question, which is, hey, like, you know, how did you feel before school? Well, I, I can tell you that even throughout university, I just kind of went through it and I was like, okay, well, whatever, right? Right. So how to do this. Um, but I actually took my, my, my accounting training very seriously because I could see what the result was going to be. I could see where I was going to pick up, yes. um, you know, the tidbits of information and the, the technical skill set or the know-how that I needed in order to get to where I am today. Right, right. For sure. So obviously you spend all that sort of time on the road. Is that eventually what had you go jump and do some other things, Sam? Yeah, it absolutely did. I mean, because of the level, you know, it's funny. I I, I say this to a lot of, um, you know, managers and leaders, um, you know, when, when we're, when, when you look at, at, at effectively, you know, and I'll equate this back in, in a pretty simple way. Um, if all I have to do is just paint all day as, as a, as a painter, then that's my job. I go from window to window, door to door, trim to trim, paint. If, however, I'm a manager or a leader, the expectation is really project-based work. Right. The ability to set the expectations on a project, regardless of whether it's to make a new website, build a new product, deliver a customer engagement, sell a deal, whatever that is, it's all project-based work that we have to learn how to manage effectively. And so what I learned from anything, um, you know, from that is, is the ability to set the expectations. It's the ability to manage all of the different personalities and all the different people. Um, it's the ability to see what is going to be the endpoint design. Like, are we going to get the castle that we think we're building? Or are we going to get a shack? Or is the castle going to fall apart? Um, and being able to manage all of those pieces to completion. And so I think all of that work, all of that project-based work, the craziness of the planes and all that kind of stuff, um, really led me to, hey, stress is stress. You just got to get through it. Hard work pays off and everything's a project. Right. 
go treat it like a project in steps and get it done. Right, right. Okay. And then what was next? Where did you go next in your career, Sam? Um, after that, I went kind of back into um, in, in, into sales and channel management. So okay. um, staying with the same company, I, I went on and I learned how to manage those relationships a little bit better, um, how to sell software better, mm. how to build out uh, channel enablement partnerships and cool stuff like that, where effectively we did really well um, and, and grew a department out of nothing into um, you know, a major part of the business. Wow. Um, and, and again, same, same type of stuff, you know, you got to get up every day, one sock at a time, do the work, put in the hard work and, and just keep your eye on the ball and keep on bobbing and weaving and moving in order to get to that endpoint design. After a few years, I moved to a different uh, company uh, and eventually ended up, uh, you know, most recently at, or this at, at another software company running their marketing department. I actually built an agency from the ground up within that, that, uh, large software company. And we were, um, with my marketing department, we were repping something like 14 or 15 different brands right? Um, and doing all of their marketing, um, as well as running like a, a consulting shop. So I had right. about 30 consultants that were working for me. Consulting. 30 consultants working for you. Yeah. Yeah. Professional services people. So some of them did different things. Some of them went out to clients, others stayed back, others were, you know, project managers, others were business intelligence guys. But at the end of the day, it was a department of 30 people that were, were delivering a fair chunk of uh, cool stuff. So you've yeah. chosen software as the space for your career. I was, that was the strategic planning. What was the thought about that? Um, you know, software is one of the hardest things to sell. It's, it's one of the coolest areas to uh, deploy. Mm-hmm. And it's ever evolving. And so, you know, I, I, I equate selling software to effectively, you know, I say this to people, I'm like, you know, think of it like this. All right. So Chris, I'm going to sell you a Lamborghini. Okay. But you're going to come, you know, it's $300 purchase or whatever it is for Lamborghini. Right. Um, no. But, you know, you're going to come into the showroom and what's the first question you're going to ask me if you're trying to buy a Lamborghini? How much does it cost? Chris, I would love to tell you what it costs, but I can't tell you. It all depends on what your needs are and how you're going to drive that Lamborghini. Like, this is how we talk in the software space. Right. At some point, you're going to be like, hey, can I take a test drive? No, Chris, you can't take a test drive. you got to customize the, the, the Lamborghini for you. But you know what? You could sit in the passenger seat. Oh, great. Can you show me how I'm going to drive to my house? No, we can't do that. We haven't programmed the Lamborghini to drive to your house yet. But can I get a check for you for $300,000? <laughs> no. To build this, uh, yes. Right? And, and so that's- sale. It's a tough sale, right? So you got to, you know, you got to know the people that are in front of you and you got to know the political landscape and you need to know what their needs are and what the product looks like and how they're going to use it. And it's all about baby steps to get them to that end result. I love that. I mean, it is just so much harder in, in, in so many ways than, than just kind of selling other stuff. You know, not no. to say that selling other stuff isn't hard, but nope. this is different. Well, it is, and there's no question, and we have a lot of our past operators in the software solutions space, and, and why? Well, because it is the hardest sales space, and as a result, it's the pace that, that, that's most most competitive, most rewarding, uh, you know, create the most value. I know, I know just to share, because I know you'll be interested, we used to have a thing called Simon back in the day. Well, we spent um, a whole bunch of money. Uh, and had a district manager completely revamp it. Now it works again on all our smartphones, all our systems, and it's just 
unbelievable. And so that's one of the biggest reasons why people want software is because it can make your company work so much better. And when we implemented that first year, we grew by $2.8 million. That first year we implemented it. And was it all the software? No. But was it a huge part of our growth and our continuing growth? Absolutely. It just makes such a difference. And, and, and I think that story is the reason why I'm so passionate about software. I mean, this is all about, and, and don't get me wrong, it's not B2C software. It's not like Facebook and stuff like that. I've always been in the business to business space, helping businesses. And it's always been about effectively helping them streamline and automate their process through software. So to your point, you know, I love your story because it just highlights the fact that when done right, when you put the, the technology behind the right process, it goes ahead and it just does wonders for a business, wonders for employees, wonders for the owners, wonders for the customers. And, yes. and that's the second part of it. Like, not only is this a hard industry to be in, but it really speaks to my passion. I'm all about simplifying the complex. And this is why I'm in this space, because it really is about grabbing very complex things that take lots of people doing things in spreadsheets or on pieces of paper and putting it into a simple automated process where you just click a button and bliss happens. Hey, leaders. I hope you're enjoying this episode so far. Since we started this podcast, every person you've heard from has been one of the incredible alumni of the Student Works Management Program. In large part, that's how I got to meet these amazing people and participate in their development. Starting now and only for the next few weeks, we'll be on campuses across Ontario, Quebec, and the East Coast, interviewing students who think they have what it takes to start their first business and get started down the path of entrepreneurship. If you think you have what it takes or know someone who might be interested, visit leaderspodcast.ca slash apply and start your application process today. Once again, it's leaderspodcast.ca slash apply. Now back to the episode. Yeah. And, and so for you, Sam, um, you know, I, I, I guess you're chief operating officer of the existing company you're at, you're vice president of business development, professional services. So how, how much are you part of the sales component and then the actual development component? Like, I guess maybe you can speak both worlds or how does that work? That's a great question. So right now, you know, I'm at the value builder system. I'm the chief operating officer, which really means that I'm responsible um, for all areas, literally all the way from marketing. So the first time that somebody hears our name and the message that they hear about it, all the way through to uh, customer success when we deliver the product, um, through to uh, development of new product and the existing products, as well as finance and account, um, HR and IT. So right. I, I literally have purview over the, the entire set of functions that we have inside of our company um, and responsible for all of them. So really, it's the toughest part is, is thinking through what are the implications when we go and change our marketing messaging? What are the implications when we don't add a button in the product or we add the wrong button in the product? And how are we going to go and message that out to our customers? How are we going to train our delivery people? What are we going to set the price at? It is literally an all-encompassing thought process that has to happen when you start making little changes. And so that's what's so awesome about my job. Right. So I know, uh, I guess it's funny, we were reconnected because Sam was looking for salespeople. 
And then also as well, I, I know the, the, uh, the CEO and, and the founder of, of uh, the Value Builder, Builder System. So, and why don't you describe to our, to our listeners and our leaders just what the Value Builder System is? Because I know it's got a big goal, a big thought, a big, huge BHAG, a big, hairy, audacious goal attached to it. What are you guys up to? Absolutely. So um, our founder, his name is John Warlow, incredible, incredible, incredible writer and speaker, um, an overall guy, really great. Um, he wrote the book about a few years ago called, it was a bestseller, it was called uh, Built to Sell. And after that, he created, he wrote another book called Automatic Customer. And basically off of Built to Sell, John started getting questions, you know, hey, how, how do I know, um, you know, what the value of my business is? How do I know how sellable my business is? Um, and so John created the company called Value Builder System. Um, and our big, hairy, audacious goal is to help over 1 million business owners realize the value in their business by the year 2030. So wow. it's a big goal. Um, you know, we've had over 50,000, over 55,000, I think, business owners or somewhere in and around there take their value builder score and get their value builder score. Um, it really helps them understand what are the eight key drivers of their business and how they can actually go ahead and improve them through our network of certified value builder advisors that help them build the value inside of their business so that when they go to exit or when they go to sell their business or transition it, um, they've got a business that is more valuable, that is more independent of them, that functions um, way better and will help them maximize that, that value upon exit if that's, if that's how they choose to exit. Really, really exciting, you know, because for any entrepreneur, you know, certainly something they're always wanting to look at is how do I, how do I build a business to sell? Right. How, you know, how do how do I maximize that value? Because eventually I'm not going to live forever or, or whatever it is. Or some some people are serial entrepreneurs and they'll start a business and look to sell it and start another business, and look to sell it. So how do I how do we do that? And John has really made it way more simple, I'm sure. Beyond beyond simple. I mean, I think that, you know, like you read a copy of Built to Sell and anybody that has ever read it just said, just they sit there, they go, My mind was blown. The simplicity of the book of the concept of the methodologies of the eight key drivers is just so simple. And I mean, I'll give you a, a perfect example of one of them. It's one of my favorites. It's called Hub and Spoke. And so it's the concept that the business owner is the center of everything. So imagine if, you know, every single question or every single decision has to go through that business owner. Well, what happens to all of the other people inside of that business? What happens when the owner goes on vacation? What happens if the owner doesn't make it into work that day or they make it in late? Um, you know, the whole operation can't come to a grinding halt. And so, you know, what, what we have in the value builder system as part of getting your value builder score is a definition of, well, how does your business rank on the hub and spoke key driver? And so you want to start to take actions in order to start to empower the other people inside of the business. Very simple concepts, very powerful. Because yes. what that does, right? What that does is that when you go to sell it, the buyer, because remember, this is all about the buyer when you go to sell a business, the buyer doesn't sit there and say, oh man, like if tomorrow, you know, business owner, Chris, let's say, uh, leaves the business, wow, like who's going to open the doors in the morning? He's the only one with a key, yes. right? Um, you know, stuff like that. And so it sounds simple, but it's, unbelievable how many business owners they just don't think through some of these things because they are so invested in working in their business and not on the business right and and so that's really what we help business owners do 
Yeah, no, that's really, really exciting. I, I just, I just love it. I know, I know in our, our business model, we've gotten way, way more clear. You know, we sort of look at most businesses start running a business and they're a painter or a baker or, you know, an accountant. And then all of a sudden they start to become a manager of their business. They're hiring other accounters or, mm-hmm. or bakers or painters. And that's where we have our, our operators jump in, where they're really business managers. That's where they are. And then we talk about becoming business directors. So seeing differently and, and more directing managers. And so so obviously, John, in your business, is taking it to that next level, or, you know, again, beyond, beyond, beyond that level, about how to envision a business that can run without us, you know, that, that, that we're not the critical component that we're working, like you said, on the business rather than in the business. Yeah. And I mean, I think, it, you know, it's one of these things that's very tough because my, like we go back to, to where I shine, it's really in, in creating systems and processes and putting them in place that is, is just going to run without us. Right. You know, or, or at least without as much input from us so that we can get consistency and, 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 you know, realize scalability and stuff like that. And it's tough, you know, um, because it's, I think it's really hard for a business owner to kind of see that world, especially when you're, when you're in it. Um, and we find this with our clients. It's, yeah. it's almost like, okay, like I'm in the business, I'm working, how, where am I going to find the time, the money, the effort, the energy in order to start automating things in order to start looking. And even if I can, which one should I start with first? Right. Like, where do I start? Right. And so really this becomes about how you start to, you know, again, kind of tie the dots together and say, okay, like if we do this, can we alleviate more pressure on the system? Can we automate more? Can we get more results? Is this low hanging fruit over that option? Because we right. can do one of two things in order to start to scale and, and build. And so as part of the value builder system, because I know we, we have a lot of young listeners, but we actually have a lot of alumni of our business who listen to our podcast as well. So as part of your system, uh, then Sam, you've got consultants who are out there and then also software that work hand in hand to build your building. Is that correct? That's right. So how it works is, um, you know, we license our solution. So we license our solution through our network of certified value builders. They're individuals there. They basically represent approximately six different professions. Um, those are accountants, uh, business brokers, uh, M&A professionals, we've got wealth advisors or wealth managers, financial advisors, um, business coaches, management consultants. They will all license our solution in order to help businesses with our platform effectively realize a higher value builder score because we know through statistically proven methods that um, businesses that, that, that score higher on our value builder score will sell for more and they will get more offers when they go to sell. Awesome. Awesome. So very exciting what you're up to. So um, what what have you been your biggest failures or mistakes and what did you learn from them, Sam? Oh, man, Chris, that one is uh, <laughs> really. Um, well, you know, I think this is the thing, you know, one of the toughest things to to do is is really to to take accountability for your mistakes. Um, yeah. I think there's 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 a part, especially when you kind of look at your accomplishments, that you don't want to be vulnerable. And I mean, I could I could name a thousand mistakes that I've made from hiring the wrong people to um, you know saying the wrong thing in the sales cycle to running the wrong marketing campaign and, and so on and so on. But but I think I think at the end of it, um, the biggest mistake that I've made is the times where I've not admitted it or okay. I haven't been vulnerable about it to just kind of sit there and say, listen, like I don't know what I'm doing. I need help. Yes. 
you know, or, Hey, yeah, like let's reflect on this together and, and, and help me to understand how I could have done better than what I did. Right. Uh, and so my biggest mistakes have been when I haven't done that. Awesome. Awesome. I love that. You know, vulnerability, authenticity, just so, so critical as leaders in the, you know, 21st century. Right. You know, so, For sure. um, you know, just telling the truth. So, you know, as you went from being a university student to, you know, creating, you know, real value in the full-time world, what did you need to change about yourself? Everything. I mean, I cut the hair, I grew the beard. Um, you know, I think it has to do with the biggest thing I had to learn you know, it's funny. This happened a couple. It, it happened a couple years ago, um, where I was at. We were fortunate enough, the management team, to to get business coaches, um, and and I had this great coach, and his name is Gary. And you know, he he really worked with me. He worked with me in a very meaningful way in order to help me to understand how to be tremendously more accepting okay. of people of situations. Because I'm I'm a very dominant person. Um, you know, what I mean by that is on the disc. I, I have yes, very high. I totally remember that. Yeah, go figure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> assertive and, and, is another word for, for people. Yes. Yeah, yeah, we'll go with assertive. <laughs> There's that one too. And and it's almost like how could I be okay not always being assertive or not always being dominant and being able to um you know have a win-win with a person so that you know I don't get a hundred percent of what I want. They don't get 100% of they want what they want. We've got something that everybody's happy. And, and really accepting that as, as a win-win and, and being able to not just, I mean, compromising is compromising, but, yes. but really being okay inside of myself with how I was going to role play that after. The, right. So if I didn't get everything that I wanted, was I okay with that? You know, and, and I think that's something that's really difficult, especially if you're a sales, you know, Got like that little sales guy in you that's always like, no, I can convince him. If I just talk faster, if I talk harder, if I talk more, work harder. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah. I just haven't worked him over hard enough. Um, <laughs> I, I think that's one of the things that 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 I've really had to learn over the years in in order to get more successful and in order to get to where I am. Yeah. Is you know how even though you don't agree with me and I don't necessarily agree with you and we don't agree on how we're going to approach this together, how are we going to go about? making sure that we've got a win-win and we're all going to be okay and accepting. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Um, and so if someone wants to do what you do, what key habits would they want to steal from you? What's the secret to your success, Sam? Um, that's, that's a great question. So I, I think that we can kind of break this down into three things. Um, I, I would argue that the first one is what, what is their, their technical skill set? So, you know, as an account, you know, as a, somebody with an accounting background, um, my technical skill set, whenever I have to go back and think through a problem, to problem solve, I always kind of take it back to the numbers. I take it back to the analysis, to the data. I think that everybody has to have a technical skill set, whether it is writing or whether it is, you know, accounting or whether it is, you know, painting or whatever yep. it is, there has to be a technical skill set by which you leverage in order to problem solve. And so I think that's a very, very big, important thing, because a lot of my job, a lot of leaders' jobs is problem solving. Um, I think the second thing is, is really people management. It's about being able to relate to people, persuade them, if anything. It's not even really people management. It's more like the art of persuasion. Um, and, and I don't think that that necessarily has to sound bad. It just has to be a no. matter of, yeah, like I'm persuading myself as well as I'm persuading you. Absolutely. Um, but, but, but how are we able to do that in order to communicate effectively so that we can see the same endpoint design 
uh, get alignment on the plan, and then move forward. And, and I would argue that the third thing around this is the, the power of, of optimism, or, or at least three quarters, three glass full, we call it here at the Value Builder System. It's really a growth mindset. And right. it's the ability of not being of not saying no, oh no, we can't do that. It's looking at it and being like, realistically, not optimistically, but realistically, how are we going to get this done? What are the things that we have to do in order to get there? Um, and so, so the ability to effectively think through the, the growth mindset uh, model, or at least apply that kind of mentality so that you're always growing, always learning, and always getting better. Fantastic. Fantastic. Great. Great answer. Um, and so w- when you think of the leader of tomorrow, Sam, last question, what comes to mind? The leader of tomorrow is the leader that is going to understand. They're going to understand the entire ecosystem, regardless of whether that ecosystem is a company, an industry, um, you know, a city, uh, whatever it is. They're going to understand that ecosystem and they're going to understand all the moving parts very well. Um, and I think that they have to understand it now faster and better than they did before. So they're going to um, effectively get the concepts, get it. Um, they're going to have the passion and the authenticity and the vulnerability to want to be a great leader um, and to want to lead people or processes or methodologies. And I, I really do think that, that, that at the end of the day, they also have to really be able to be relatable. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's great. That's great. Well, uh, love this conversation, Sam. I really appreciate you, you know, making time out of your busy schedule and three little, three young children at home to come in and, uh, and, you know, give back to our organization. Thanks so much. Well, thank you so much. And I, I cannot thank you and, and your team and, you know, for, for everything that I've gotten out of the uh, student works management program enough because I really, really don't believe that I would be where I'm at if it wasn't for that. Oh, hey, thank you very much. I really appreciate that. Thanks. Thanks, Sam. Okay. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Have a great day. Hey, leaders. I hope you enjoyed this episode. By now, you are aware that we work with ambitious students every single year to not only help them run their first successful business, but to further their development as a leader and give them an unfair advantage in the future over their counterparts. It's why starting now and only for the next few weeks, we'll be on campuses across Ontario, Quebec, and the East Coast, interviewing students who think they have what it takes to start their first business and get started down their path of entrepreneurship. If you think you have what it takes or know someone who might be interested, visit leaderspodcast.ca slash apply and start your application process today. Once again, it's leaderspodcast.ca slash apply. And I can't wait to see you on the other side.